The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thanks for joining us today on our first show of 2012. It's going to be a good year. Uh, We have with us today Susan Rogerson. She is the Executive Artistic Director and Co-Founder of Artists for Humanity. They are a Boston-based organization. And Susan is responsible for artistic direction, program development, administration, and fundraising. And she's blending her experience as an artist, educator, entrepreneur, and administrator. And she's led artists for Humanity since its founding 18 years ago. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Are you uh, keeping warm? Yeah, yeah, trying to. Oh, man. I just got, I was meant talking earlier on the show that I just came back from um, Florida where I spent the holidays. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it was a little bit of a slap in the face getting out, you know, coming outside of Logan last night. But Definitely a shock. What are you going to do? It is winter. Finally winter. Oh, yeah. well. <laughs> it is January. It's nature, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, well, it's only going to get warmer right here. It's all relative, but a little warmer. <laughs> so, I'm I'm thrilled to have you uh, on the show. Um, I've been really looking forward to to letting people know more about um, what you do and the organization Artists for Humanity. And why don't you why don't you start by just giving the audience a, a general um, synopsis about what Artists for Humanity is and how you came up with the concept originally? Sure. Um, well, it was actually 20 years ago. Oh, 20. Um, yeah. As an artist, I had this idea that I could empower under-resourced teens uh, in many ways um, through the process of art making. Um, It had happened to me. I had been transformed as an artist, and I wanted to share that experience with people, particularly um, early high school students who in Boston uh, were not getting art programs in the schools. So the idea came to me that I could make collaborative paintings with these kids and sell them to corporations, and and that would fund sort of my own version of an artist-in-residence program. And what I found uh, in the first project that I did with a group of kids at the Martin Luther King Jr. Middle School was a group of young people that were truly hungry to have a voice. Mm. And, And they didn't just, like, do the work, they totally embraced the concept and and were so honored that someone would come to them and say, what is it you want to say to the world? How can we influence business in America by your work? And, um, you know, out of that experience, uh, a small group of kids um, wanted more. You know, they came to me and, and said, this is amazing. We'd like to, it's summer, we have nowhere to go and nothing to do, and we'd like to make another painting. And I agreed to have them work with me in my studio over that summer. And it was, it was truly amazing to me to see these kids so committed to this process that they didn't ever experience before. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all stuck together like glue. It was, it was meant to be. It all coalesced, and uh, those Young people are the co-founders of Artists for Humanity with me, and uh, 20 years later, three out of the five of them are are still actively engaged and will continue to carry on um, when I decide to uh, to let go and and retire. Mm -hmm. 
won't be any time in the immediate future, however. <laughs> I was going to say, no way. You're on a roll now. <laughs> um, We're always on a roll. That's what keeps us all there. Yeah. It's a creative process. It was amazing. But what we do now yeah. is we employ urban teens in an after-school training program, uh, an apprenticeship with mentoring artists, and we provide um, fine art and, and design services to, to local and actually beyond local businesses. Mm-hmm. So we do everything from design and print T-shirts to um, major architectural embellishments on buildings for architects and developers. It's extraordinary. These young people who are from Boston's um, uh, under-resourced schools come after school. They're paid by the hour plus commission to do this work, which is very sophisticated, important work. And they have ideas. They know how to do it. And the artist mentors guide the process of this, of of each product development, and and assure the client that they're getting a professional product in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that was was particularly um, appealing to me. You know, you say on your website that you're creating self sufficiency for these kids. They're 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 learning the 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 importance of business as well, and and the importance of of their 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 art as a commodity. And right. That is a huge part of this because then it sends them into the world and they know how to, to deal with the, with the way the world works. Now, talk a little bit more about the, the students themselves. Who are these, who are these students? What is their age? Um, what's the age bracket? How long are they with you, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera? Well, they're, um, they have to be enrolled in high school, in Boston Public High School. A Boston high school, it can be a charter school or a pilot school. or you know, They have to be a resident of Boston and, and attend Boston schools. Uh, we recruit kids from their freshman year on, uh, or actually from age 14, sometimes they're eighth graders, um, until they graduate high school. Mm-hmm. So approximately 60% stay for two years or more, which typically is their high school career. Um, they are we're extremely diverse population of young people and mentoring artists that come from just about every community across the city. So we're not drawing just from the local community, although we do have representative youth from South Boston. We also have kids as far away as, you know, Hyde Park and Roslindale. Hmm. Um, they come after school Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and five days a week in the summer. So it's a year-round program. And uh, and it's we represent the entire city of Boston. It's a very diverse group. Um, and it's about fifty-fifty male-female. It's uh, it's really interesting and really cool. And these are kids with no previous experience. We don't um, we don't enroll young people who have portfolios or anything like that because these young people don't have haven't had the exposure to the arts and the enrichment that the arts brings to their lives until they come to AFH. Mm-hmm. And it's remarkable, as you know, from visiting how talented these young people are. And they didn't really even know that they had the talent. It's they it's, have. it's amazing. I was just going to say that that um, when Debbie and I, Debbie first, um, and I were were, were walking through, uh, it just the talent is unbelievable. And there was one particular uh, student who said that they didn't really like art before, and they were mm-hmm. creating this beautiful piece of art. And now it's it's art. It's photography. It's sculpture. I mean, it's not you know it, it, it's all forms of art, which is. F- 
absolutely fabulous. But this was this, this was painting, and he he just said, yeah, I didn't really like it before, and now he just loved it, and we we were drawn to this painting. It was gorgeous, and they just they they were so willing to tell their story. We just had an somewhat impromptu visit, and certainly to them, they didn't know we were walking through, and they wanted to show us what they were doing. They were so proud of it, and I was blown away by their enthusiasm. And now let's talk about a little a little bit about the building because the building is part of the story here and it's a really um it's it's a it's an amazing building. Uh and it's a it's it's a lead platinum certified building um which is the highest rating you can get with the with the lead certification. So it's a green building. Um for people who aren't familiar with with lead, it's it's essentially a very green building. Talk to us a little bit more about the building and and how you feel it affects the students day to day. Well, um you know, as I said we started in my studio. Mm-hmm. Um and and South End and quickly grew to another larger warehouse in the Fort Point Channel artist community. Uh, of Boston, and from there, uh, after you know the, we were sort of gentrified out of that community or out of that building anyway, it was it was redeveloped. You know, we we took on the challenge of a capital campaign, and you know it was an interesting time because we had never uh, you know attempted to raise that kind of money prior to this campaign, and there were a lot of naysayers. People thought we couldn't do it, but we had a lead donor in the uh, the Grand Circle Foundation, the Lewis family, that um, sparked a campaign with a million-dollar gift, and it just made it possible to everyone around us. And when people believe, it creates the energy that can happen. And, and so we were able to identify a site in that community, and we set out to build the most environmentally sustainable building we could build. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about the year 2000. This was before LEED was really on the map. We were only the ninth LEED building in the country, and or LEED, LEED Platinum. And, um, and you know, the architects that we got on board were beside themselves. They never had a client that said, we want to build the greenest building. We don't have any money, but we want to build the greenest building we can. So we set out to build an affordable Platinum LEED certified building, and we did that. We built this building for under 180 or under $200 a square foot, including the solar uh, array on the roof, which at the time was the largest PV installation in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, one of the co-founders, one of those young people that came to my studio back in 1991, had just graduated from Rhode Island School of Design as an architect, and we immediately engaged him as part of the architectural team. So one of the co-founding youth was 14 when he started AFH Amazing. was on the team that built the first platinum building in Boston. Mm-hmm. So it was an incredibly exciting challenge, and our commitment was there, and we pulled it off. Mm-hmm. And the building um, serves us quite well. We had to make decisions, of course, that uh, were a little outside of the box to achieve the goal, but we we felt that they were compromises that we were willing to make to to have a sustainable building and to be an example that you can build sustainably without spending all that extra money which is the uh common most commonly held belief that's right and and one of the one of the um 
one of the what I when I walked in there, what I love the most is just the use of natural light, and that's something that mm-hmm. that green buildings tend to do. And you receive points, you know, for certain things. So a yep. lead platinum building can receive that status and look very different from one that sits right next to it. There's certain things that you can do, um, and but, but it's simple and not costly. They're not. It's right. amazing, and you just put you, you put the building in the right direction with the sun, yeah. and you, all these the minor minor tweaks that you can do. Um, so one of the things that you, is really noticeable when you walk in is is the the the, the reuse of now, and I make I'm not sure I'll get this right, but patrol cars. Um, Windshields? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. Well, so, so yeah, far. One, <laughs> one of the cool and interesting parts of the process was um, reusing materials. Mm-hmm. You know, finding um, materials that could be, that could uh, take the place of traditional materials, like uh, car windshields as, um, as rail guards, you know, as fill-in for railings. You know, we all... You know, no staircases and balusters and all that is, you know, expensive and it's a lot of, a lot of steel and so on. And, you know, we were able to get these, um, these whole areas filled in with windshields from a, a junkyard. It's so Which cool. was a very cost effective approach. It added an element of, you know, interest to the building. And, um, you know, it remains, I think, one of the features that, you know, sort of give the give shape to the space mm-hmm. and give identity to the space. I think part of the problem when you, you know, try to be resourceful or or, you know, thrifty is that you sometimes have to compromise aesthetics. And I feel like we found a real balance by using interesting, you know, recycled materials in place of traditional materials to add that little element of aesthetic that Maybe we would have been missing had we just gone with a with a pretty you know bare bones space, right? So you have to be creative, you know. And we're artists, so we were very engaged in that process. And I actually brought in a sculptor who uh, two guys actually who just graduated from art school who came up with that idea and installed them. It's just so, it, it's really fun. They're like old Crown Victorias or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're actually police car windshields. <laughs> it's just really cool. And the cool factor is important. I mean, you have students in there who are in high school, and they need to be right. have the wow factor. What 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 are what's one of the most uh, appealing aspects of the building? Do you think for the students? Um, I think that you know it was an interesting process. We we had an architectural studio during the design build time of the building. And we uh, engaged any young person that was interested in architecture to participate in that studio. And interestingly, many kids didn't really know what an architect did. You know, I mean, who does if you don't really think about it as, yeah. a, as a young person? Um, and, um, you know, out of that group, three of those kids went on to become architects. Mm. So I think it's, you know, it's all about exposure it's um that's what artists for humanity is about is exposing kids to opportunities and and you know and what's possible and i think that all of the young people that come through there know the story they're told the story in the introduction they're given a tour we talk about how special the space is i don't think any of the young people have any you know ideas when they arrive about sustainability in terms of the built environment. I don't think that, you know, there's an opportunity for kids to know that. So 
what they know about our green space comes from being part of the organization, which is kind of, as you recognized, infused into the studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, every year we have our greatest party on earth, which is our annual celebration of Earth Day. And every young artist in the place is engaged in creating art that values or honors, you know, the, the, the tenets of that. So it's a, it's a process, it's mm-hmm. an educational process that the young people go through to, to understand the building and how it operates, to understand that daylight is crucial to their workspace, to know when to lift the screens, you know, when to draw the shades, you know, all of that, when to open the windows, when to close the windows. It's an active, engaged um, process when you're working there of being part of the building and part of, you know, working with the environment to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. When I came in, concept that no one ever thinks about. No, when I came in, you you were you were reminding people about the shades. You're like, who's time for the shades to go down or time for the shades? I forget if it was down or, or up. The shades but, to go up. Yeah, you know, we need more daylight. The sun's yeah. gone down, but we can still get you know garner as much daylight as possible. Right, it's an ongoing process, even with adults. Right. Not just kids. It's so easy. We're so conditioned to flip a switch, to turn the heat up, to, you know, turn the lights on. You know, that's just who we are. It's, yeah. it's wired into us. And we have to rewire, uh, you know, all, everyone to think about how I maximize what nature is providing. Sunlight, you know, you know, heat and cooling. You know, one of the other important features of the building is we don't have air conditioning. Uh, we have a natural ventilation system. It's one of the only buildings of its nature built in the last 60 years in our country that doesn't rely on air conditioning to, to cool the building in summer. Um, right. It's, you know, it's not perfect, but neither is air conditioning in my view. I think it's either too cold. I particularly don't like it. I'd rather be part of the the out, outside air and, and be conditioned to the temperature as it changes. So, you know... Um, there might be some discomfort in the summer where it gets too hot, but, you know, we call it a, a, a heat day, like you have a snow day in the winter, and we go to the beach and draw, or we, you know, we, we, we flex and we adapt, and I think that's how you live in harmony with nature. Right. Oh, I guess there's so many questions I can ask. So many let, there's so about. many things to talk. It's it's endless. But you know, I was actually as I'm thinking about this, if, if for our listeners who are at computers, it would really be great if you got on online um, as we're yes. as we're speaking because uh, the website is fantastic. Um, AFHBoston.com. So www.afhboston.com, and and you can sort of fiddle through the website as we're having this conversation because there's a lot of visuals and and just you know general explanation of, of more of the organization. So um, artist profiles get to. See see the kids, oh. see their work, and, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to talk or write about AFH. As you know, Chrissy, you really need to come and see it in action. You do. It's, it's an environment of total industriousness. Kids are so engaged because they're experiencing learning with their whole selves, yep. you know, with their hands and their minds and their spirits and their souls, and it's, it's holistic. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's different. It is. It's different, and it's... it's, it's um. You know, they, I, I, one of the things I noticed as well is that they worked in teams really well together and they mm-hmm. listened to each yeah. other. And that is life. When you get out in the real world, wherever you, whatever they decide to do, it may have nothing to do with art. And, you know, it may have a lot to do with art or maybe they'll go into a job with, that's directly sustainability related. Mm-hmm. But they, 
they're learning how to listen and how to work as teams. And you just saw this going on. It wasn't as if they were putting on an act for the tour. You know, they were just doing no. what they were doing. And you just got to see it firsthand. And it was, it's really, it's, I really encourage people, if you can go in and check out um, um, the building and see it, see everything in action, because it is just, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it, it sounds really kind of dramatic here, but it is a little breathtaking. I mean, it, it well, really kind of took my breath away. <laughs> so, I know. You know, people, you know, really, everyone, and we welcome all of your listeners to come for a visit. Um, it's, it's it, I have to say, and I'm proud of this, it is an inspiring environment. Mm-hmm. You leave with a smile on your face. You've just experienced, you know, 130 teenagers there at work engaged in something that's quite special. And, you know, we use the arts as a vehicle. We're really teaching people life skills. Yeah. We're teaching them how to be part of a community, how to be a, uh, a good worker, how to be focused and attentive to what they're doing, how to know what they like to do and how to focus on the things they like to do because they're going to be best at those things. Right. It's, um, you know, it, it takes some time, um, but it, it's also quite stunning to me that, you know, in just a few months we see transformative experiences for kids. We see total transformation. Mm. Kids who are shy, kids who are withheld or protective, you know, when they come into this environment where it's collaborative and communicative and, and, uh, you know, heartfelt, I mean, people really open up and they're trusting and they they become their true self. It's their home away from home. (laughs) And that's why I'm still there 20 years later. (laughs) You know, I mean, you you have kids that others have, you know, pretty much determined you know, that they're trouble or they're, you know, too much to deal with or whatever. And you see these kids become their simple selves, their mm-hmm. whole selves, uh, through this experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, um, it's a healing environment. It's all about art making. It's about that process that we, where we dig deep into ourselves and we find out what's precious about us, what's special about us. We express ourselves. We discover the things that have meaning in those things then communicate meaning to others. Right. Art is finding the true nature of ourselves. It's so connected to nature. That's why art in the environment is so important. I think it's very subliminal, but it is important because it's really about our own true nature, which is connected to, to nature. Mm, itself. I, I agree. That's fabulous. Now let's, let's t- I have a couple more questions, but let's, well, first of all, how many, do you have stats on how many, how many of the AFH, um, kids are going to college? We have um, great statistics on the numbers that we, we get into college. About okay. uh, close to 95% of the kids that graduate at AFH as seniors go to college. Wow. They go, well, they go to, you know, college or pre-college training. You know, they continue their, their education and they're committed to that. They're committed to their own personal growth and they're going to, you know, take steps to do that. Um, what we're working on are more longitudinal uh, studies on how many kids actually graduate college and graduate on time. Many of our kids do graduate, but they take longer. They often quit, go back to work. You know, they're, they're used to being engaged in, in, in work. I mean, they're used to earning money. Mm-hmm. They don't like, they're, they're debt averse when it comes to their education because they've, you know, they know that they have some skills that are already marketable. So, you know, I don't really have statistics on how many kids graduate from college, but we will have those soon. Sure. Um, since social media, thank, thankfully, we're able to <laughs> reconnect with a lot of the kids that we've 
engaged over these past 20 years. Prior to that, it was tough to find them. Phone numbers change, addresses change. Uh, so I think we're going to have some really good good information. We're just now embarking on a um, longitudinal study with Brandeis University, and um, it's a two-year study. So in two years, I expect we'll have some great information about what happens. But anecdotally, I can tell you that the kids that, that are most successful or the kids that need most of our more help are the kids that we know the most about. Mm-hmm. So it's the middle group we don't really know about, but the kids that are successful are out there in the world doing great work for their communities. They're engaged in their education. They're working. You know, I, I, I'd like to think that most of the kids that come through AFH, to, through, through AFH are employable right? and are getting back to your point of sustaining themselves. They're able to be clever and creative about their skills and what value they bring and figuring out a way to to navigate that and hopefully, you know, always looking to the future to grow and and evolve to be more creative and, and better people. Mm-hmm. I don't have any concrete evidence of that other than the, the kids that I know about. Yeah. So it's a percentage, but it's not the whole. So we'll know more. Yeah, but you know, I mean, if if any, indi- you know, if any indication, you know, the, the stories you have, the anecdotes you have now are probably a good indication of yes. what's going on. All right. Now, you know, I'm 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 most impressed with the their the, the majority of these kids that I know about are committed to their communities. Mm. So I think one of the critical. Um, results of working at AFH is that you understand the value of being part of a community. Yes. And you 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 enjoy helping one another. You enjoy being, you know, a uh, a good person, a person that cares about others. And yeah. I think that's the huge addition to, you know, the future of our planet and our society is people that are willing to give and be helpful to other yeah. people. Absolutely. I have one last quick, quick question, and then yeah. we have to break. Um, what five years from now, one year, two years from now, what are we looking at? I mean, I feel like this this should be replicated in pretty much every city across the country, if not the world. So, But what are we realistically looking at in, in let's say, five years? Well, in the next five years, we're looking at expanding our facility in Boston because we have a waiting list of 100 kids all the time. We have more work than we can handle and produce in the space that we're currently in. We're at capacity. We have we have places for 130 teens to be employed on a, on a regular basis, and we really need twice that. So we're hoping to achieve that in the next five years. We're working on that plan, and we're also working on a replication plan. We have a couple of cities in this country that have followed our model that are successful. We have other uh, organizations around the country that that credit us with inspiring them, and they've developed their own programs based on the employment model where you engage. I mean, essentially, what we're doing is providing a way to respect young people for what they have to offer and truly give them the, res- the responsibilities to earn them that respect. So that can be translated in a number of different ways. I recently met with someone who's been engaged in promoting programs internationally, and he is just so, you know, into the notion. And so we're really trying to refine the essence Mm. and find a way to make that as um, as uh, adaptable as possible and, and really try to to uh, spread the word, because we know it works. Exactly. We know it works. And, you know, however small or large, I mean, it can be a dozen kids, it can be a hundred kids, it can be a whole community. It doesn't matter. 
It's about creating people for the future, young, providing for young people who will be the keepers of our future yeah, to, to exactly. um, have this experience. I love it. I, I do too. I love Thanks, it. Christine. I, I got to say, I love it. All right. Well, we have to wrap up, but thank you so much. Um, for, thank you. Yes. Come and visit us again. Bring Absolutely. Friends. I will. I will bring friends. I'll get it up on the website and let, let more and more people know. And don't forget the greatest party on earth. Yes. It's time to, to meet the kids, to see their work, and to so, have a fantastic party. You can see about it. You can see pictures on the web with lots of artistic entertainment. It's, um, we still think it's the greatest party on earth year after year. So. Excellent. What more can I say? No, I think it's the best, and I'll, I'll get the word out on that as Thank well. Thank you. All right. Have Thanks a good so day. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Fifteen ninety WSMN and WSMNRadio.com.